Welcome back to my podcast, Nancy AF. I'm Nancy Anderson Fit. Thanks so much for joining me. If you've been tuning in lately to my podcasts, then you've been hearing discussions about important topics that I've been talking about, like gut health, like the impact of dairy in your diet, and postnatal depletion. And if you're new here, well, first off, welcome. And if you'd like to go back and check out those episodes, I highly recommend going back and checking those out if you missed them, especially the one on postnatal depletion, as that is going to be a great segue to what we're going to get into today. So basically, my goal with today's episode is to briefly, or maybe not so briefly, go over two very important issues related to health and pregnancy. These two issues can make a huge impact on your hormonal health, fertility, and your ability to get and stay pregnant. But honestly, for some reason, these issues often are overlooked and not adequately addressed in a doctor's office, a typical doctor's office. So I want to bring some attention to those to give you guys some knowledge and hopefully some support that will help you during your TTC journey. All right, here's what is on deck today. First things first, we're going to review the impact of birth control on your body, particularly oral contraceptives. Next, we're going to discuss a growing body of research that shows just how important dads, yes, hubbies, preconception health is for fertility and fetal health and development. That's right. It's not just the ladies who need to get fit and correct nutritional deficiencies before getting pregnant. Dads-to-be, we need to tack those on to your to-do list, too. Let's begin with birth control. Now, I trust my gut on this one, and even before I got into the research, my gut just told me that taking a prescription medication for years and years just probably wasn't necessarily the best idea for my health. Um, So I never really chose to get on it for a long period of time. I also always forgot to take it, so even when I did go on it for short stints. I like never took it on the regular. So I'd get my period like five times a month. And it was like, this is stupid. I just can't take this. So I'd had to do other forms of birth control. The pill never really worked for me. I didn't feel like myself on it. I couldn't remember to take it. It just in my gut told me it probably wasn't the best idea. But if you were one of those people that took it for years or decades, don't feel bad about it. You know, like you didn't know any better. So, and also please don't blame me. I'm just sharing what the research is going to say here. Okay. So just don't shoot the messenger. But, you know, I'm just suspicious of oral contraceptive contraceptives. They're prescription drugs that intentionally and directly alter your body's hormones. Period. That just rubs me kind of the wrong way. You know what I mean? So anyway, when I stumbled across this 13-year study on birth control pills, I can't say I was surprised what the researchers found. The research that was published in 2016 confirmed the link between oral contraceptives and depression. Sp- specifically, their study found that women taking birth control pills containing estrogen and progesterone were nearly 25% more likely to be diagnosed with depression compared to women who weren't on the pill. Additionally, women taking the so-called mini pill were over a third more likely to have clinical depression. The increased risk was especially robust among adolescent girls. Now, it's also worth mentioning here that there's a lot of evidence now showing a direct bi-directional link between gut health and brain health. Specifically, a recent paper that just came out, it was just published actually in February of 2019, 
It was an edition of Nature Microbiology found that depressed people tend to actually be depleted in two specific types of gut bacteria. Now, I don't believe the researchers can confirm yet if the altered gut biome is is a cause or effect of depression or just like a correlation. But we do know very well that your gut function has a profound impact on overall well-being, including your hormone balance. I'm particularly talking about the gut's influence on estrogen levels. Estrogen imbalance is associated with gut dysregulation that can be very that can very well impair a woman's reproductive health. Did you get that? In addition, it can also impair her bone health, heart health, and other systems affected by this key sex hormone. So, I mean, I don't know about you, but already this is a problem, a major problem. Depression is really no joke. It affects an estimated 12 million women every year in the U.S. alone. And also, the CDC estimates about 10.6 million American women are also on the pill. So I see no reason why we shouldn't strive to eliminate as many factors as possible that could be contributing to this persuasive mental health issue because we all know this is an issue. Mental health is an issue in the U.S. right now. I also believe that doctors need to do a better job of educating us about these well-documented consequences of taking the pill. I don't know about you, but I've never heard that come out of a doctor's mouth before about depression linked with the pill. I mean, maybe in the fine print on like your prescription thing, but like who who reads that? And of course, no one takes that seriously. And also in light of the new male birth control pill, have you guys heard about that? A male birth control pill that's been like racing through clinical trials right now. I'm just hoping that they are providing the same due diligence to male patients too when it comes to the side effects of depression and the pill. I'd also like to mention another recent study that came out also in February 2019 in Frontiers in Neuroscience, which also found something else. It's not so great. It found that women taking birth control pills were actually less accurate at identifying certain emotions and other people based on complex social cues and facial expressions compared to women who were not taking oral contraceptives. Pretty interesting, right? And the point here is just that unknowing to millions of women taking the pill every single day, oral contraceptives can negatively impact psychological well-being, sometimes to significant levels. As it happens, women taking birth control pills still face several other potential issues besides an increased risk for depression. According to organizations, including Planned Parenthood, being on a pill increases your risk for rare but potentially serious complications like blood clots, heart attacks, strokes, and even certain types of cancer like breast cancer, liver, endometrial, and cervical cancer. And if you're a smoker, the risk for these jumps up even more. And then, of course, we can't forget about the fun side effects that many women experience while taking oral contraceptives, like spotting in between periods and vaginal discharge, which that was my issue. I just spotted the whole entire month, which was great because I very, I mean, I almost never took birth control because, and, you know, thinking of like when I started having sex, which let's not talk about that because that's just an embarrassing age, but it's too young, too young till, you know, 30 29 when I started trying to have babies. I mean, that's a, over a decade. So I'm just saying if I would have, yeah, I'm just so glad that that 
that I did spot because it just became a big old nuisance. And I was like, well, what's the point of taking birth control? I'm just going to be spotting all the time. So collectively, I probably only took it a few years as opposed to taking it for an entire decade. But neither here nor there. Just a personal, my personal little interruption. Sorry. Nausea is also one. And then nutrient depletion. Nutrient depletion is huge. And for those of you that have been on birth control for a long time, you want to take this one seriously because you you will be. I mean, I've never seen someone that wasn't super depleted if you've been on birth control for a long time. I talked about this in my blog post on birth control. If you haven't read that blog post, you should go back and read it and it'll go like more like way more into detail about the nutrient depletion that happens when you're on birth control, but it's not to be ignored, okay? So the depletion that happens is of uh, fertility-supporting vitamins. Isn't that convenient? Like uh, vitamin B6 and vitamin B9, like folic acid. And folic acid, by the way, might sound familiar to you because being deficient during pregnancy has been directly linked with increased risk of neural tube defects. Oh, great. Thanks so much, guys. Appreciate that. Thanks for uh, my doctor telling me that I can just not have to replenish anything and I could just go off my birth control and just start trying to get pregnant. Thanks so much, guys. Um, and then moving on, headaches, migraines, breast tenderness, weight gain, decreased lean body mass, decreased sex drive, eyesight changes in women who wear contacts. I've never heard of that one. That one was new to me. But I'm just sharing what I found. Um, now, I'm sure many women feel that the temporary unpleasantness of birth control pills is kind of well worth, you know, the ability to control like when and if you're going to get pregnant. And maybe... That's true. I totally get it. You have to weigh the risk and the reward. You know, I get that. Um, but, you know, if you ask me, it's kind of like why expose yourself to, to, to the hassle and the potential harm if there's so many other effective and safer contraceptive options out there. And that's that's just what I go back to is, you know, there are other options. Like I get that you need to control birth or control pregnancy. Like I get that. Like totally get that. But there's other options, and I think that those just are kind of like ignored, and it's almost like people think that being on a pill, the pill is the only way. Um, but guess what? It's not. There's so many other options for contraception, like condoms. Yes, they're 98% effective when used correctly. Diaphragms, my personal fave, which is 96% effective when used correctly. Um, there's also things like IUDs. And I got I'm not the best. I mean, I, I think I had to pick one. I, I don't know. I have to do more research actually to say. I'm not even going to say. I have to do more research because I don't even know 100%. Um, but anyway, those two options I mentioned are affordable. They don't mess with your hormones. And they work. And sorry, I don't, you know, really care if you feel awkward asking a guy or your husband to wear a condom. Like, okay, we're mature enough to have sex. And if you're mature enough to protect your reproductive health, like if you're mature enough to have sex, you're mature enough to protect your reproductive health. Okay. Find what works for you and use it. And if you have one of those guys that's like, oh, I'm not wearing a condom. Okay. We won't have sex. That's cool. <laughs> also, I just want to mention, because I mentioned this in my uh, birth control blog post, um, and I just want to mention it again, because I don't even feel bad if you're on oral contraceptives for medical reasons. Like I'm fully aware that birth control pills are prescribed for medical reasons other than preventing pregnancy. 
like, for example, maybe your doctor prescribed it because you have irregular periods or you have super bad menstrual cramps or acne, PMS, like all kinds of stuff, PCOS, POI. Anyway, if so, don't take this as a call to like drop your birth control pills or feel ashamed or shameful about your current approach to managing any of these understandably pretty uncomfortable issues. I just am trying to empower you with the knowledge and make you aware of the best evidence I can find uh, related to health and wellness, because that's what I do. Um, and because I, I know it's just hard to keep things straight in a world where 24-hour news cycles spit out all sorts of conflicting information. And I don't know about you guys, but doctors just seem like they're not always looking out for our best interests, and they're just looking for either the simple answer or the answer that's going to make them honestly more money and not every doctor is like that I I surround myself and I see doctors that I really believe uh, love what they do and they're looking out for their patients best interest and they're open-minded and they're you know have continuing education they're up to date on the research like and but unfortunately those doctors are fucking hard to find let's just be honest and not all of us have the ability to get to those kind of doctors so this is just me trying to empower you uh, besides I'm not an expert in things like PCOS or any of that stuff for that matter it's your body and all I ask for you to do is just you know be educated and speak up if you need to and ask more questions if you need to um, and work with your doctor to figure out the best solution for you, your situation, your medical needs, no matter what your goals are or your health needs are. Um, And hey, if that includes getting off hormone influencing pills, then I think maybe both of us would be happier about that. But I'm I'm staying in my lane. This is not me trying to be a doctor. I am simply reviewing and sharing research and my opinion as someone in the field. That's all. Okay. All right. Moving on. Let's say you're past the point of oral contraceptions and you're ready to drop the pill and start making some babies. If you're in this stage of life or you will be in this stage of life someday, then we need to talk about the importance of good parental preconception health. Yes, parental which means maternal and paternal, mom and dad, dada, mama. You know that cheesy saying, it takes two to tango? That really means something when it comes to fertility and fetal development, let me tell you. And I know you guys always hear me say, like all the time, how I believe that pregnancy is something that women need to approach as a major life event. You need to train for it. Like you got to think of it as like, I'm training for a marathon. You need to think about, I'm training for a pregnancy. I stand by this statement. And I also think that the recent research coming out about how the influence of men's health on pregnancy is also totally in line with this philosophy too. So we need to think... We're training for pregnancy. Dad's training, mom's training too. This is the exciting stuff. All that birth control stuff was a little bit boring, but I just felt like I had to include it because I feel like maybe some of you guys didn't you know, follow me before or didn't see my post before on it. So I just want to make sure you have that information, especially about how depleted you might be if you were on it, so to get you not depleted before you have babies. Anyway, I want you to consider the following data. This is the exciting stuff. A 2018 study published in the Proceedings of National Academy of Sciences found that male mice who were fed poor a poor quality diet had poorer quality sperm. These poorly fed mice also had seminal fluid that appeared to disrupt specific uterine and immunological responses that are necessary for a healthy pregnancy. Wham, bam, what? In other words, by eating a shitty diet, a man may be able to affect his reproductive health and his partner's reproductive health. What? 
So fascinating. In a podcast interview between Dr. Rhonda Patrick, who I have a tonal girl crush on, and psychiatrist Dr. Elsa Eppel. I think that's how you say her name. I don't know. Dr. Eppel discusses in depth about how the health of the couple before they become pregnant can literally influence gene expression of a growing baby and affect its risk for future health problems. I'm quoting Dr. Eppel here, okay? She says, it is the health of the sperm and the health of the eggs pre-pregnancy that is partly shaping the health through epigenetics, the health of the developing fetus, that is. In other words, poor health and lifestyle preconception can do more than impair the health of the sperm and eggs. It can literally also change the genes of offspring for the worse. Further research from the proceedings of the National Academy of Sciences also suggests that fathers and mothers who exercise regularly before they become pregnant can boost their brain health and then pass those benefits on to their kiddos. This is seen in the fact that rodent offspring born to active parents have improved mitochondrial function and and density in the hippocampus, increased hippocampial gene expression, and improved performance on a variety of cognitive tasks. The bottom line is preparing for baby, guys, is up to both moms and dads-to-be. I know this may sound obvious, but I think the importance of the, the this point can get kind of lost sometimes because when people hear about prenatal health and preconception, we often just associate it with the woman's side of the equation, like what mom is doing. But guys, really, we, like guys, literally, actually guys, I'm talking to you, boys, we need you guys to uh, to be strong and healthy, fit, fulfilled, emotionally and mentally healthy um, because you have a lot more power and influence over the bun in the oven or the future bun in the oven than you may even realize. And for me personally, this is a conversation that's happening in my household right now because I... I'm going to be honest with you. My husband was not really the healthiest. He was actually probably pretty, very healthy when we, when we, uh, conceived Kenzie because we were about to get married. So we were both, I mean, I wasn't as much as he was cause I was just kind of maintaining, but he was trying to like lose weight, look really good for the wedding. So he was being disciplined. He was eating well. Like we both like weren't drinking. We were working a lot because we were going to be taking off. So like we were, you know, just sleeping a lot. We weren't drinking. We weren't going out. We weren't like eating like shit. So he was actually pretty solid then. His stress levels were low. He had like a comfy job. Like, you know, money wasn't an issue because we were like dual fam- dual income, no kids. You know, that's, you remember those days, right? Um, so when we conceived Kenzie, yeah, he was super healthy. I was, you know, great too, I think. And then second time around, I was great because I made sure I was great. I spent a lot of time and money making sure an effort, making sure I was great. He wasn't though. Super stressed, not the healthiest. Um, I, and it, so we got pregnant like super duper. Well, I don't even want to talk about that. I'm sorry. Cause I don't want to make anyone feel uncomfortable, but it, Leo was not necessarily planned. I mean, neither one of them were really planned. It was just, we're going to see what happens and it happened, you know, so it happened that happened like that both times. And, you know, the second time I was actually trying not to get pregnant actually. And I thought I was not ovulating, um, because the ovulation stick said I wasn't ovulating. 
So I was had a couple drinks that night <laughs> because my friend was moving to Texas and we had her going away party. Um, and I had a couple glasses of champ, you know. And then we go home. I'm like, sexy time. Okay, I'm feeling good. I'm feeling loose. Let's do this. I'm like, I'm not ovulating. So I um, did, we didn't use a form of birth control that night because I thought I wasn't ovulating. I thought it wasn't an issue. And I got pregnant with Leo. We wanted to have a baby anyway, but I wanted just a couple more months um, for myself. I wanted to do a couple. To be quite honest, I had a little bit of yeast. I wanted to finish detoxing before I got pregnant. And I ended up getting pregnant and I couldn't finish detoxing the yeast. So that means I had a little bit of yeast overgrowth my entire pregnancy with Leo, which I'm still fucking pissed about. I'm still mad about that. And then I had to detox it after I stopped breastfeeding, which was really just like seven months ago or something. Um, and then I had to go hard after the yeast and finally like kill, try to kill it all. But my point is, I'm getting off on a big tangent here. Sorry about that. Max wasn't necessarily the healthiest going in with Leo. So now, guys, I'm going to be honest with you. I don't want another kid. I don't. I just don't. I just don't. Oh, my God. I just don't. I just don't want to go start over. I just don't. I feel like I can barely handle two kids. Um, I have three businesses. It's very demanding. I have a lot of goals with work that I want to focus on. I feel very fulfilled having my two boys. I love them. I just want to make sure that I can give enough of myself to them to be present, to be in the moment and share experiences with them. And three just sounds like too much. Um for me. But my husband really wants a third. So I told him, I said, if you really want a third, you need to take this preconception thing seriously. That means I want to see you on a supplement routine. I want to see you working out all the time. I want to see you cut dairy and gluten out of your diet. I don't want to see you drinking all the time. I want to see you cut down the caffeine. Um, I want to see you lower your stress. Like all the, I gave him like all these fucking parameters. He never listens to my podcast. So like, no worries. He's not listening to this. But I gave him like all these fucking things because he like really wants a third kid. And damn it, if he hasn't been working out every fucking day, he's been working out every day or like, you know, probably five days a week. And I'm like, uh, I'm like, I'm sorry, am I eating my words here? Like, I don't know. So then the next thing I told him, he needs to be on supplement routine because I think he's deficient in quite a few things. So now he's like, when we get back to California, uh, I'll get on a supplement routine for three months and then we'll try to get pregnant like in January. And I'm like, oh my God, maybe I'll feel differently in a few months. That's what I just keep telling myself. But guys, <laughs> I don't want to do this again. Okay. Super, super, super tangent. Sorry about that. Um, but okay. Going back to what I was saying about men getting so this is what Max is doing now. Like what should Max or men in general be doing in the months or even a year leading up to before their partners and them actually start trying to conceive? Well, a lot of what I talked about, surprise, surprise, they're doing a lot of things that we are doing, the females, the female partners do. This includes, kind of like I just review, reviewing, you know, losing excess body fat, achieving an ideal body weight, optimizing gut and hormonal health, reducing inflammation and reducing stress and restoring underlying uh, nutritional deficiencies. So, okay, so you can check off almost all of these preconception to-dos um, by just doing kind of like a handful of things. And this is kind of for dad. Dad, if you want to hear this, or mom, you too. Because really, you both need to be doing it. Step one, get enough sleep. 
you and your hubby or your partner or whatever, you need an average of eight hours sleep per night. Seven to nine is really what they say. So eight somewhere in the middle. Good quality sleep is seriously not negotiable. You have to get it. I know it can be hard to come by in a society that seems to like idolize this myth of, oh, I only need, I can sleep when I'm dead. I only need four hours to function, blah, blah, blah. Trust me, you need more than that unless you're a genetic freak, which just go ahead and assume that you're not, okay? (laughs) I know I'm not. I could go on and on about sleep, but for the purposes here of just like, just want to say that men and women, you need high quality sleep to help manage stress, to maintain lean body mass, and to optimize your hormones, okay? In a nutshell, that's why you need it. Besides, once baby comes, someday you're going to be kicking yourself for not taking all the naps and getting a full night's sleep and doing all that stuff. So people always told me that. And then I like couldn't sleep and then the baby came and I was like, I wish I would have slept more when I wasn't. But either way, you're just, it's just, it's hard. Okay, so two quick tips for getting better sleep if you have trouble doing that. And this is according to resources like the National Sleep Foundation and sleep expert neuroscience, Dr. Matthew Walker. Go to bed and wake up at the same time every single day and only use your bedroom for rest and sex. That's it. I don't listen to that rule exactly. I use my bedroom. I work in my bedroom. I do all kinds of stuff and I sleep great. That's just me. That's just what I'm saying. Maybe you can try this. It might work for you. I'll sit in my bed sometimes and do like two hours of work and I feel I feel great. I don't feel tired at all. I still sleep great that night. But, okay, that's just my opinion. Okay, number two, exercise, duh. Both men and women of reproductive age should be aiming for at least 30 minutes of moderately intense exercises like treadmill most days of the week. Three, clean up your diet. Minimize or cut out completely all the bad shit. That doesn't sit well with you, which in most cases is usually dairy, gluten, and sugar. Add back in all the good stuff that will prime you up and prime your reproductive system up and uh, for optimal function and baby making. This includes lots of green veggies, healthy fats like olive oil, Brazil nuts, high-quality lean animal protein, wild-caught fatty fish, eggs, fruits, legumes. I go into a lot of detail about this and move your bump communities um, and also in my diet, uh, my Bible diet plan. So if you need some guidance there or motivation, these may be good resources for you. I do weekly meal plans. Men and women can do them. Pregnant and non-pregnant women can do them. And they come delivered to your inbox every Friday morning. Uh, You can do those. or you could just do my programs. The 30 Day Slim Down is a great pre-pregnancy program uh, to do it like as you're gearing up for TTC. Again, men and women friendly. You guys can do it together. I have couples do it together every single month. Lastly, number four, ladies and gentlemen, please consider adding some pre-contraception. Con- contra- what's the word? Preconception, there we go, Nancy, supplements into your routine. In our day and age with modern food and practices, and I talked about this in a podcast, soil there's soil quality depletion and so on. It's really hard to get the nutrients you need from food, even if you and your partner get local and organic as much as possible and you eat all your veggies and da 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 da. It's still actually kind of hard to get everything in. So adding a high quality supplement can make up for any holes, if you will, in your diets and can correct any underlying uh, imbalances that can make a huge 
difference in your ability to get pregnant and make sure your future baby has everything he or she needs in utero development. Uh, The following are a few evidence-based supplements I recommend, sorry, I was just checking to make sure the podcast thing was still on. I was like, have I been talking to myself this whole time? Okay, here's some things I recommend for fighting inflammation, enhancing egg and sperm quality, optimizing hormone function, improving gut health and immune function, and promoting fat loss, all of which helps with fertility. And I just want to mention that these are just suggestions based off of research that research has suggested may help support someone who is in a TTC phase. For women, we're talking about coenzyme Q10, which is shown to increase reproductive potential in at least animal models. We're also talking about and suggesting for this phase would be N-acetylcysteine, also selenium, which actually has also been shown to help lower the risk of thyroid issues uh, in a postpartum period, which is very common these days. Also, I'd want to consider acetyl-L-carnitine, which has been shown that is great to support muscle building, cognitive function, and optimizing mitochondrial function and your body's ability to absorb the omega-3 fatty acids from fish oil. And speaking of, fish oil is also a great supplement. I I recommend or I would suggest for most people to have some sort of omega-3 supplement in their routine on the reg, whether they are uh, pre-pregnancy or TTC or not. Um, But that's another one that you would want maybe to consider to be supportive during this time. Also, Dr. Mark Hyman, which I'm sure you guys all know who he is, DeVos in the functional medicine world. Um, He also suggests suggest during this time period things like vitamin D, B vitamins, specifically, in my opinion, if you have been on birth control. Those are really important. And also vitamin C, E, and also zinc uh, and a probiotic. I mean, everyone, I guess, you know, not I guess, everyone definitely in any stage is always going to be a good idea to be on a high quality probiotic. Now, with all this said, A lot of those might be wrapped up in adequate amounts in a really high quality prenatal, which is going to wrap up my uh, suggestion box for women in a TTC phase. A high quality prenatal supplement is so important. Many important fetal development stages occur within the very first few weeks, uh, or even first few days, actually, of pregnancy, often before you even know that you're pregnant. So taking these supplements um, and a really high uh, prenatal is really about just like hedging your bets and making sure that the new potential fetus that may or may not be there, if it is there, it has everything that it needs from the get-go from day one without having to deplete you of nutrients or, or go without uh, needed nutrients for that fetus. Okay, now for the dadas, the men in the house, or for my ladies to relay to your men if they're not going to listen to the podcast, or you just have to basically set it on the counter for them in the morning and just say, hey, babe, when you wake up, take these and don't even, I mean, if that's, if your life is anything like mine, that's what I have to do to get supplements in my husband. Hey, here's a little bowl of like these pills. I need you to take these when you wake up in the morning, every morning. Anyone else live that life? Um, okay. So there's a lot of actually overlap. So I'm going to overlap. I'm going to say the, the two that are a little bit different than women first, the two supplements that are suggested 
uh, to support dad through uh, the TTC pre-pregnancy phase going into conception. And then I'll kind of review afterwards a lot of the overlap. But there is some overlap um, from what the research and the the leaders in the functional medicine world have suggested for men during the the preconception phase. Uh, First things first, we have curcumin, which is actually the active ingredient in turmeric, um, but it's a very powerful anti-inflammatory. So this is actually something that's being brought up a lot in the Alzheimer's world to assist with that as well. It's actually pretty exciting... I don't want to say new supplement, but it's getting a lot more attention now. So um, it's just some kind of fascinating to follow, follow along with. The other one that stands out for gentlemen is alpha lipoic acid, which is a powerful antioxidant. And then the ones that overlap, and this is coming from Dr. Mark Hyman's suggestions, um, are a lot of the things that you heard from mom as well. Supplements like vitamin D, B vitamins, fish, uh, fish oil, L-carnitine, vitamins E, C, uh, zinc, coenzyme Q10, all those kind of overlap. A good probiotic and all that good stuff. Um, So when it comes to how much to take, I mean, I have like the suggestions here in front of me, but I'm actually not going to include those because I really just want to remind everyone that like I'm not prescribing supplements or dosage of supplements or what's appropriate for you. I'm merely just uh, kind of reviewing what the research has shown to help support someone who's maybe in this phase. You really need to talk with your healthcare provider, your primary care, your PCP um, to figure out what you should or shouldn't be taking, how much of it to take. Because, you know, it's just it's just out of my scope to prescribe. I'm merely suggesting and reviewing research here. I am going to dive in and give you a little bit more information about two of those things I suggested, though. Um, for both men and women who need to work on fixing their gut health and reducing inflammation, which is honestly most people, um, I want to just talk about the pro- importance of the probiotic and the fish oil. Quality really matters on these. Um, so you want to look for a probiotic with at least 20 CFUs, which is colony forming units, and a fish oil supplement that contains at least 1,000 to 2,000 milligrams of DHA and EPA omega-3 fatty acids. So there is a specific tip there. Now, it's never a bad idea, like I mentioned, to chat with your doctor before starting a new supplement, even those two things I just mentioned, even though they might seem pretty basic bitch, you know. Um, But especially if you're currently on any medications or dealing with some chronic health issues, I'm just sharing this information for educational purpose only. And it should never, ever be taken as true medical advice, okay? And before I wrap up, I just want to read you a post that Dr. Hyman came out with the other day. I had to record this podcast on in two different days because my, my babysitter had to leave. Um, so I recorded most of it, and then I had to stop, and then I recorded the rest today. And in between those two days, Dr. Hyman posted about infertility, and I really loved everything he covered in his post. And it was really just like clear and concise and to the point, and it really supports everything that I have read and research. So I wanted to share that with you guys too, just to kind of sum everything up and maybe include a couple extra points that I didn't get to include in this podcast. So in Dr. Hyman, Dr. Hyman's post, he posted, and first off, it said insulin, the key driver in infertility. And then his caption went on to say, This, and this is a quote from Dr. Hyman. 
I don't believe it's a coincidence that infertility has increased just like diabetes and obesity has. That's because excess sugar and subsequent belly fat drive hormonal imbalances and create infertility. In women, these imbalances manifest as PCOS or a polycystic ovarian syndrome, which is a really, which really is a nutritional and metabolic problem that adversely affects insulin and other hormones. Now, I want to stop there for one second because I get this question all the time and technically it's a medical condition. Therefore, I am not allowed to talk about it really. It's not in my scope of practice to say, oh, you have PCOS. Okay. Well, then you really need to do the slim down. That's not really, I'm not really technically allowed to say that. So I often either, to be transparent, I either don't answer or I tell them that I'm not really allowed to answer and then I can like kind of sort of suggest the slim down uh, as an anti-inflammatory diet. But he's saying this here, not me, okay? And I think that is really powerful because so many people have PCOS and they're just like, oh, I have PCOS. There's not much I can do. But I have had so many clients with PCOS do the slim down and just totally changes the game for them. And I mean, the Bible diet would be kind of be the same way. The detox would actually be the same way. I just, most people, most of my clients do the slim down. Like that's the step one. And that's what I recommend. Um, so I just, I want to just point that out here because he's saying it, but I'm, I'm supporting it. Um, PCOS symptoms include irregular or heavy periods, acne, facial hair, hair scalp loss, increased belly fat, and increased levels of testosterone. Studies show that PCOS affects 8 to 12% of all women, which interestingly correlates with the number of couples who suffer with infertility, which gives you some food for thought there. Um, In addition, he goes on to say, in men, infertility manifests as lower testosterone, which indicates other hormones like insulin are also out of whack. Among the consequences are bellies, breasts or man boobs, low sperm count and decreased sex drive. While problems like PCOS and low testosterone need to be properly addressed, diagnosed and treated to get your metabolism working again, you have far more control over your infertility than you might realize. Studies confirm addressing lifestyle factors, including nutrition, weight, exercise, also physiological stress, as well as environmental and occupational exposure, could have substantial effects on fertility. I recommend my patients take a multivitamin and other supplements and eat a whole food, low glycemic, nutrient-rich, plant-based diet. Let me just remind you, my slim down, my 10-day detox, my Bible diet lifestyle program are all of those things. Those strategies alone can have an enormous impact on fertility. Let me just let me just say it one more time. Those strat- strategies alone, aka taking supplements, a multivitamin, eating a real whole foods, low glycemic and nutrient rich plant-based diet can have an enormous impact on fertility. He's not saying go vegan. He's not saying go vegan. He's saying 
You need to eat more vegetables and stop eating processed shit. And most of what's on your plate should come from Mother Earth. That's what he's saying. That is what plant-based diet means. He is not saying go vegan. I know I'm going to get that question. Okay. He goes on to say, well, ultimately, I encourage you to work with a functional medicine doctor to address and correct these problems. I have found these seven strategies can help anyone, male or female, balance hormones, reverse infertility, and create abundant health. Number one, go low glycemic. Number two, implement supplements supplements like vitamin D, B vitamins, fish oil, L-carnitine, vitamins like C and E, uh, zinc, coenzyme Q10, and N-acetylcysteine. He's also recommending to fix your gut by including gut-supporting foods like fermented foods and uh, as well as high fiber, like either a supplement high fi- with fiber or just enough vegetable intake and high fiber foods, and a good quality probiotic. He's also recommending number four is exercise regularly. Move your bump, tread thrill, we'll get you covered there, check, check. Control your stress is another one, which is super important. I think people often ignore. Get sufficient sleep, another one. As always, I recommend seven to nine hours of sleep per night, depending on your body, depending on what you need. And then last but not least, reduce your environmental toxin exposure. I love that he wrote that post because it really just supports basically everything that I have also read and researched. And I've been learning with other professionals in my field that kind of practice women's health, um, pre and postnatal specialist, and really everything that I believe in practice myself. And it's really helping us to realize that we can take control back. You know, it's like when we're diagnosed, it's like you go to the doctor, you get diagnosed with PCOS. You're like, oh no, now like this is going to be so hard. And really, I don't think we're educated enough from a um, Western medicine standpoint, when we go in and we get, you know, it's not just PCOS, it's anything. It's like, I just can't get pregnant, but nothing's wrong with me at all. Not one thing is wrong with me. I check all the boxes from my um, fertility specialist and blah, 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 blah. They don't know. It's an unknown cause of infertility. And we just kind of throw our hands up and we're like, I'm just going to pray until it happens, which I'm not knocking like any spirituality, like good, go for, go for it. Like, you know, that's cool. But there's things that we can do in our control. And everything that I've talked about today is something that you can start doing tomorrow to help your fertility. Now, again, it's outside my scope of practice to say anything that I do is related to the medical whatever or whatever, which is kind of unfortunate because we're learning more and more and more just how much nutrition, supplementation, exercise, sleep, uh, meditation, or stress management, and just really lifestyle factors can affect (laughs) your health and medical conditions much more than like almost anything else, yet I'm not really allowed to talk about, which is kind of like fucking bullshit in my opinion. Sorry. I didn't mean to drop an F-bomb. Actually, I did. And, um, But I want to say, I every single month, someone emails me that has done the slim down, that's doing, that has either uh, just done the slim down or did it a few months ago or whatever, and they tell me that they're pregnant, and they tell me that they didn't think they could get pregnant. And I'm not claiming that the slim down will get you pregnant. I'm not. What I am saying is what uh, the research and the opinions of professionals like Dr. Hyman and the things I talked about in this podcast, the slim down supports that. I require five days of exercise a week. We talk about, um, you know, ironing out deficiencies and supplements that 
may be supportive to you during this time. We get in your fiber intake. We get in your vegetables. We get in your uh, healthy omega-3 to 6 ratio fats. We reduce inflammation. We optimize hormones. The whole 30-day slim down is, is designed to do just that. And while we do all those things, oh yeah, it's also going to lean you out, which I mean is most, most of the reason people are doing it. It's also going to repair your gut. You know, it's also going to, um, you know, do all these things that also really relate back to everything we talked about in this podcast that can help support fertility. So when people message me and reach out and like, holy shit, like we can't believe this. When my husband and I did the slim down two months ago or like whatever, and we are pregnant, we've been trying for X time or we just thought we just wouldn't get pregnant anymore. You know, we just couldn't get pregnant and boom, they're pregnant. Now, am I saying that these things are going to fix fertility for everyone? Absolutely no. I'm not saying that. Um, there can be other factors that are playing into why you have infertility. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying that there is a good chunk of people that can self that can self correct things that are going on with their body. And my gut and my experience tells me that and most of the time it relates back to deficiencies and inflammation. And when you go on a real a real diet, you know, like you really give your body what it needs to thrive. You iron out all those things without issue, you know. And if I can help to educate people on the importance of this and the power of what you're putting on the end of your fork and how it can affect not only your health and the way you look in the mirror, but it can also affect your fertility, which therefore for some people, because in some states, infertility um, procedures are not covered by insurance. State of California, for example, you know, people that I know that have gone through fertility treatments, they're paying out of pocket. I mean, this can be like tens of thousands of dollars. Now, my sister has three kids, two of which came from IVF, and then she went on an anti-inflammatory diet. I fixed her hormones and uh, started taking supplements, and she got pregnant with her third on her own. What? Yeah. That really speaks, like again, just another person that I know or have worked with and this has been such a huge huge effect on her but she had insurance uh, in the state of Maryland now I don't really know insurance rules so if I'm like mistaken on this I, I don't think I'm, I'm not mistaken because I know people in both places but the state of California is not covered you pay out of pocket in the state of Maryland depending on your insurance it is covered you don't pay out of pocket so my sister went through lots of IVF treatments um, IUI I, I, IVF and all this stuff was covered by insurance, but damn, if it wasn't, I mean, that would have been so much money. It's life-changing money to many people. So if I can just give the knowledge, I mean, and the thing I go back to saying is every time I do a podcast is, what's what are you going to lose? What are you going to lose by eliminating the sugar, by eliminating the inflammation, by working out more, <laughs> By sleeping more, by reducing your stress, there's nothing to lose. Nothing. Not one thing to lose and everything to gain. So in my opinion, as you know, someone's sister who went through it, for example, or someone's trainer who's going through it, for example, or just as an individual myself, like why wouldn't you do that? You know, especially if you're in one of these situations where, this is going to be a huge financial burden and 
yeah. So that's just my take on it. Again, I just want to remind you, I'm not giving medical advice. This is merely me reviewing research, sharing my professional experience and opinions and my personal experience as well. I'm by no means telling you what you should or shouldn't do. You have to talk to your doctor to figure all that stuff out and na 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 na. You know the drill. Um, okay. That about wraps it up for this podcast. I hope that was educational. Um, if you want some high quality supplements and you don't know where to get them because they're not regulated by the FDA, it really is important that you know what you're getting into when you get supplements. You can check them out on my supplement store. I partnered with a, um, a distributor that only distributes high quality respected, um, supplement brands. And I have actually a whole, a store that has like different packages and one of them is pre-pregnancy. So I have kind of all of my suggested brands in the pre-pregnancy like little folder. You can click on pre-pregnancy and all of my suggestions will pop up. And then you can put them on auto order if you want or you can just buy them one time or like whatever. But um, they're pretty legit. That's where I get my supplements from. And what else? The 30-Day Slim Down. I start a new group every single month. The first Monday of every month, I start a new group, and I take you guys through my Slim Down. Men and women, you can do it. Uh, there's men portions on, I believe it's page seven, six or seven men's portions are on that page. And then um, an average woman, you follow the portions kind of as is, and they'll give you some some uh, wiggle room there to eliminate things or make smaller portion sizes, biggest, bigger portion sizes, depending on what your body needs. And there's also breastfeeding modifications for portion sizes on page nine. So it's breastfeeding uh, friendly as well. So I start a new group the first Monday of every month. If you want to sign up, you all you have to do is just download the plan off my site. It automatically signs you up. You'll get an email with the plan and you'll also get another email with a link to join my private community where I coach everyone through it. Um, and that can be found at nancyandersonfit.com. Calm. So any questions, I would love to hear it. If you want to throw me a five-star review, I mean, that would be cool. That would be really cool if you're my friend. And I'll catch you guys on the gram. Have a great day.